We are in Ksubis, Yotes Amabez 19b1 in the article Gemara on the first hand, first uh, column of the page. Uh, the Gemara left off discussing the concept of having a certain star, a certain type of a document that you're not allowed to have it in your house based on the Pasuk in Eov, based on the verse that's found in Eov and Job, where um, it describes a situation, it describes that you shouldn't have certain avlas, you shouldn't have certain avlas in your house, uh, certain situations where it can lead to stealing, it can lead to taking advantage of others. And so we had the case of the Shtar Amana. Basically, you shouldn't have a document in your house that says that somebody owes you money when there was no loan which took place, but it's just there in case some loan does take place because you could always just take advantage of the quote-unquote borrower. Obviously, there was no loan which took place. can't have it in your house. So the Gemara discusses a few other examples of things that you can't have in your house. Amr Rabbi Shobhan Levi. Rabbi Shobhan Levi says, Asa l'aladam sheyasha shtar parua b'soch beiso. Mishim shenam avla. Rabbi Shobhan Levi says, similarly, that the the borrower should not have in his house if the if the loan was paid off. He should not keep the document in his house. Part of the idea is that once you pay back the loan, the uh, sorry, the lender can't have it in his house. I apologize. The lender cannot have it in his house. Part of the idea is that um, after you borrow money and you pay back, then you take the document because the document itself, once it's in the hands of the lender, it's proof to the fact that he did not yet pay and therefore you would have to pay. So therefore, what happened, what usually happens is once the borrower pays back, so then he takes the document with him. So if the lender continues to hold on to the document, so then he could collect a second time. So that that's wrong. So don't have it in your house. Not just don't collect, but make sure you don't have it in your house. We don't even want it to lead to a situation where... Um, uh, where you can take advantage of the of the borrower. Okay, b'marav and In the West, in Israel, they say it said as follows. There's really two parts to this pasuk, to this verse. Im oven If there's perversion in your hand, so then distance yourself from it, put it away. That what's that referring to? Zeshtar manushtar pasim. So that's referring to two different type of shtaros, two different types of documents. It's either referring to a document of Shtar Amana, what we described before, where a lo- the loan never actually took place, but you're holding on to it just in case a loan does take place, or to Shtar Pasim, which is a, a fake uh, a fake Shtar, um, just so that he could appear wealthy. It appears as though people owe him a lot of money. So they write this fake, fake document. Don't keep that in your house either. It's a perversion. And also, the second half of the statement says, do not let injustice dwell in your tent. That's the other type of document, which was already paid back. If you are the lender, don't hold on to it, because then there's, uh, you, you, could, you could eventually take advantage of the borrower and make him pay a second time. So the Gemara says as follows. If you are of the opinion like Rabbi Shobhan Levi, that if it was a document which where you paid back, it was a real loan, but you paid back, so then even that is an avla, even that is an injustice which you can't keep in your tent. So then all the more so when it comes to a shtar mana, when it comes to a document which there was no loan which ever took place to begin with. However, But if you have the opinion that when it says you cannot have an injustice kept in your house, it's referring to the document which you write, uh, when the loan does not take place, the loan never actually took place, and you still write this document. 
So that's the case. But you can make the argument to say, but you could hold on to a document where there was a loan which took place and he already paid back. There, there are certain scenarios, there are situations where you would actually hold on to the document. Why would the lender hold on to the document? Because the rule is actually that the borrower has to pay uh, for the costs of writing the document, of, of hiring a sofa, somebody who would write down the document. He has, the borrower has to pay for that. And you could have a situation where the borrower paid back the loan, but he didn't yet pay back for the costs that the lender uh, initially paid for the costs to write down the document. And so the borrower did not yet pay back the costs. And so it could be you have a situation where he holds on to the document, he, as in the lender, holds on to the document to make sure that the borrower would end up paying. So that so that is uh, a question, whether or not that's viewed as an avla, as an injustice that you're keeping in your house. One final example of an avla, of something which you shouldn't have in your house, uh, says the Gemara, Itmar Sefer Inamuga. If you have a book, not just any book, but Tanakh, Rashi right? says it's uh, the Torah or Navi and the Prophets or the writings, and it has mistakes that have to be corrected. Until 30 days, you're allowed to keep it in your house or in the shul. Other commentators point out that it's not just referring to the Torah, but even if there are mistakes that are found in the Gemara and the Talmud, you're allowed to keep it around for 30 days. Beyond 30 days, so then it's living with you. That's viewed as living with you. That's staying with you. That's more permanent. That's a, it's an important 30-day mark. We also have that in other cases, in the laws of mezuzah, if you're renting. Um, other examples where you wait 30 days, because that's when you establish yourself. So here too, if it's with you for 30 days, you can't keep it there. In fact, there's a big discussion. What happens if there's a Torah which became puzzle, which became uh, disqualified? For some reason, the with the writing, something got messed up, and so therefore you're not allowed to use it. So are you allowed to keep it in the shul? Allowed, maybe it's a violation of this idea that you're not allowed to keep uh, these things in the shul. Um, so there are different suggestions that are given. Uh, it could be that you're allowed to keep it there if you make some sort of marking, which is the, some people, they put... Uh, they, they put the gartel on the outside part. So basically you need some sort of sign to show how how you really should not be using this. But either way, the rush, one of the commentators, points out that the reason why you can't keep it in your house is because we're concerned that you're going to continue learning from it. And it's incorrect. It has It's the wrong version. And you're going to come to conclusions which are incorrect. So therefore you're not allowed to keep it in your house. Okay, this shows you the idea that what you have in your house, you have to be careful with what you have in your house, different things they have to be careful about to make sure that your house uh, is uh, is one of uh, where you try to make sure as much as possible where things can't go wrong. Okay. The Gemara now basically shifts gear. And I just want to give a brief introduction as we get uh, to the next Gemara. So far, the Gemara has been discussing different cases where, let's say, witnesses. Let's just focus on witnesses who testify. And they say, you know what? We signed on the signature, but something. But, you know, there's some sort of qualification. Either we were disqualified because we were related or we were minors or we were forced to sign or they say that we paid back. Not that we paid back, but the the loan was paid back. uh, And so therefore the document is is meaningless. Um, Or you say that it's a shtara mana, that it was, you know, we signed signed on it, but it's not a real loan. Um, And... Uh, in different situations, sometimes we believe them, sometimes we don't believe them. 
so let's just let's focus on a situation where uh, the uh, authenticity of the document is based on these witnesses. It's not from the outside. It's based on them. So then even so, when it comes to Shtar Amana, when it comes to a document where the loan never actually took place, we won't believe them because they're making themselves, uh, they're turning themselves into uh, Rishayim. They're giving themselves a bad reputation. Uh, but for, for all these cases, you have to know, when they say the initial statement, we signed on it, in these cases, ignoring Shtar Amana, let's say, uh, but when you sign on it, you're saying that we signed uh, on this document. It really is a good document. It's a good document. Just you should know we were disqualified. But not that the loan didn't take place. Not that uh, it's not a good document. We were just disqualified. And so, um, sorry, even more than that. I apologize. Even more. Once we signed on it, 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 it just it throws out the star. The exact opposite. It throws out the star. It says that this is no longer a good star. It's no longer a good document. What we're going to come on to now is a certain situation or situations where the document's good. It's a good document. We're just adding something to it. So do the witnesses have the right to add something to it? If they are admitting that this is a good document, so then we keep the document. Do they have the ability to then be choser magid, to then not just say that, you know, it's not a good document, but to sort of add certain aspects to the document where, you know, ideally maybe it should have been written inside the document itself. Uh, so why this testimony goes against their signatures to say that they signed, but they signed falsely. They're basically saying, throw it out. Here, they're not saying throw it out, but they're saying there's a little bit more to the story. If there was more to the story, so put it in the document. Uh, potentially, potentially. So let's go through some of these cases. Amr of Nachon. Rav Nachon says, If witnesses said that we signed, but it's a shtar amana. That, that's the case that we had before, where you say that... Um, you signed, but there was no loan which took place. It was just basically on hold until a loan eventually takes place. In that case, everybody says, They're not believed. If they're not believed, let's say because, like what we said earlier, because they weren't allowed to sign. They weren't allowed to sign, therefore they're making themselves have a bad reputation. However, this is now the new case. But if they say as follows, if they say that uh, they signed on the document of the of the loan. Uh, but then they say, but you should know that when we signed, you should know that uh, they were forced into it. Let's say if it was a sale. The seller was forced into it. He didn't want to do the sale. He was forced into it. And he told us that he was forced into it. But we still signed. So they're signing on it. They're not undoing the document. It's a good sale. It's a good sale. They're signing on it. And it really is a good sale. The sale actually took place. Now they're coming up with a story and saying, but you should know within this sale, which actually did take place, that he was forced into it. So this is where Rav Nachman comes along and he says that they're not believed. In all the cases in the past where we said that they're believed, like if they say that they were minors or they were related, in those cases, they're totally undoing the star. They're saying, you know, you cannot, you cannot use this document. Here, they want to use the document, but they're just pointing, because it was a good sale, but they're just pointing out, an additional factor is that you should know he was forced into it. Um, so in that case, we're not going to say, we'll say we won't believe them. We really won't believe them. Even though they have a Peshasar, even though we're believing them, the whole authenticity of the, of the document goes based on them. But still, the document itself, they're saying that this is a good document. The document itself is telling us that this was a good sale. And they're not denying that. They're, they're, they're admitting to the fact that a sale actually took place. This is a unique opinion of Rav Nachman. This is only Rav Nachman. Marbar Avashi, we're now on 19b2 in the art school on the first uh, column, uh, Marbar Avashi argues on Rav Nachman, 
Everybody agrees. When it comes to the Shtar Amana, the, the document where no loan took place, and it says that a loan took place, witnesses cannot say that. They're not believed because they weren't supposed to sign on it. Uh, we don't believe them when they're trying to give themselves a bad reputation. We don't believe them. However, when they do, when they say, I, now this is against Rav Nachman, when they say that uh, there was a sale here, but uh, you should just know that the, the seller told us that he was forced into it, they are believed, says Mar Baravashi. Why? My time, this is the question of the Gemara, why they believed? Because, because in the end of the day, the witnesses were allowed to sign it. A sale actually took place. It was perfectly fine for the, for the witnesses to sign it. They're not making themselves into Rishayim, into having a bad reputation. It's not true. And that's the only factor that we have to consider according to Mar Baravashi. And so therefore, they would be believed, in fact, to say that this was uh, a, a sale took place, but the seller was forced into it. Rav Nachman, again, Rav Nachman argues. Rav Nachman would be of the opinion that, that no, we wouldn't believe them because once they say that it actually everything was good, so then they have no right to, to go up against the star. They're not denying the document. They're not denying the facts in the document. So now that we have that, that is the position of Rav Nachman. Rava asks on Rav Nachman, well, what about the next case? We have another case. Baimene Rava mir Rav Nachman. Rava asks Rav Nachman. What happens if it's a, it's a document and the witnesses and it's through their word that they say that this is a good document? However, there was a tznai, there was a condition, meaning I'm, I, I'll sell you this uh, item on condition that you do something, whatever it is, jump up and down a hundred times, whatever the, whatever the condition is. The point is, it was not written in the document, but if they fulfill the, the condition, so then the document's perfectly valid. And it's still valid moving forward. If they do not fulfill the condition, then the document is no longer valid. So this is sort of like an added twist to this whole situation. The witnesses are saying the document's completely good. When Rav Nachman says when they say the document's completely good, so if they then say, but uh, the seller told us that he was forced into it, Rav Nachman says we don't believe them. Well, what about if it's a condition? So the Gemara says, as follows, explains as follows, The reason why Rav Nachman doesn't believe the witnesses when they say uh, that there's this um, that they were, the seller was forced into it is because he's saying that the document was good, everything took place, but he's uprooting it. He's uprooting the uh, what the document's saying. So then the witnesses aren't believed. So so too here, by the condition, are they also uprooting the document by saying, wait, not everything was done yet. You still have to fulfill the, the condition. And so therefore it's similar and we should not believe the witnesses. Or maybe we could say that no, maybe a condition is sort of external to the document itself. It's not inherent within the document. It's external to the document. It's a separate issue. It's an outside issue. You have the document. The, the witnesses said it's a good document. Now the witnesses could also be believed that there was an added condition. So Rav Nachman says, That yes, we will believe the witnesses. We're not going to say they're going up against the star. The star, the document is one thing, that the sale took place. The witnesses can then go along and say, there's also a condition involved, and then they would have to fulfill the condition in order for the sale to take place. Similarly, another case, Eid Omer Tznai, Eid Omer Eno Tznai. So, Omar Rav Papa Another interesting case. You have two witnesses. They both say that it's a good document. But only one of them says that there was an added condition that's not mentioned in the document. So Papa says, you know what? 
We have two witnesses who said that this is a good document. One witness says that there's a condition involved, but they both agree that it was a good document. It's a good document because you have two witnesses on that, and you don't have to fulfill the condition because there, there's only one witness. There, there's only one witness, but they both agree to the document. So, the son of Rabbi Yeshua asks, wait a minute, slow down. So if this is true, if what Rapapa is saying is true, so then, even if you have two witnesses who say that there is a, a outside condition, so they should also not be believed, because once they agree that they signed it, without any stipulation, and then they say that it's a stipulation, so then they're going back on what they originally said, that there was a document. Even if you have two people, the same two people who signed and said that there was a condition, maybe they shouldn't be believed because it's it's sort of external. Uh, and it goes against what the document... <coughs> goes against what the document says. So, so Rav Huna Yeshua actually says, when the two witnesses come and say that there's a condition, they're also uprooting their testimony when they said that it's a good document. If you're also saying there's a condition, you can't tell me that there's a good document. That's what Rav Huna Yeshua says. If there's a condition, you cannot say that there's a good document with two witnesses. And the same thing is true with one, one witness. If you have two witnesses, one witness says that it's a good document. The other witness says it's a good document, but there's a condition that has to be fulfilled. No, he's not saying that it's a good document. You only have one witness in the end of the day who's saying that there's a good document. The hell is like Rav Huna Yeshua. And when the law follows Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, says that if you say that there's a condition, so then it is not a, um, uh, it's not a good document. That witness is not saying that it's a good document, and then you only have one versus one. Okay, we'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.